Got something you're grinding on? You're listening to The Grind. 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And good Monday to you, and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you are listening to the Monday edition of the Grind. As we uh, as we kind of come out of a weekend that uh, you know, it's according to which uh, which dynamic you follow. Uh, if college football is your thing, if you're a big Orange fan, you uh, you probably got a little bruised and uh, banged up a little bit this weekend to deal with what has become uh, all too common. Uh, for the big orange but if you follow the titans you were you were up to snuff you were in good shape and if you were a rebel or a tornado fan uh, of course they held serve and took care of us this weekend so a lot to be be unfolded here today and a lot of really kind of beating and banging uh, to go on of course uh, tennessee uh, will uh, will see vanderbilt this weekend after coming off of a loss uh, to Auburn, uh, another loss uh, as as they continue to uh, dwindle uh, down this this uh, 2020 season. Now sits at uh, two and five uh, with Vandy, Florida, and Texas A&M uh, still yet to be played. So, uh, yeah, fun times in Big Orange Country again. Uh, sicknesses, uh, you gotta love them and uh, keep going. But a lot of things to talk about. Hopefully, Carson Crouch is going to call in here shortly as, uh, as again, we're, uh, we're going to try to make sense of something that, that just doesn't seem to have a lot of sense with it. But uh, we'll do that as we go. But, uh, again, Tennessee basketball, if, if you haven't heard, you're about to. Uh, they've got a lot of positive tests. They've got a lot of positive tests for COVID-19 including and but not limited to um, Coach Rick Barnes. So, again, a lot of things uh, beyond sports maybe uh, impacting sports. Again, looks like the first couple games have been impacted for the Vols. We'll talk about what that looks like and, uh, and really um, how to proceed here because a lot of, uh, of college basketball uh, have come out today uh, with some level of impact. Auburn. Uh, Auburn again had some success on the football field, uh, but I think yesterday Sunday announced uh, they won't be having a lot of postseason success uh, on the hardwoods this year, as uh, Auburn has self-imposed a postseason ban. Uh, which again, Auburn basketball, as of late, maybe have some, has a level of success, but uh, I think that's a a little forward to assume uh, that you would be there. So uh, again, a little. Little Bruce strike two, uh, if you will, and uh, talk a little bit about that. Hopefully with Carson, uh, King Henry for the Titans. Uh, again, it seems like if the Titans are within seven, uh, you better watch out. Especially if it goes late into a game, they've got the football, or there's an overtime scenario because uh, King Henry uh, has an opportunity. He will take advantage of it, and there's not a whole lot of people that's going to get in his way. 
But uh, but to start the show off today, going to talk about prep sports. Uh, this past week, a, a lot of uh, you know quarterfinal action does a lot of things for you, and, and one of those things is it gives you matchups that you don't necessarily. Uh, it's not a quick pick. Now again, we make the joke. Uh, Alco is pretty much a solid pick uh, in the 3A bracket. Maryville's a strong pick, uh, you know, in, in the 6A bracket. But in, in the rest of the in the rest of the real world, uh, a lot of the uh, the games that were to be had were were kind of toss ups, if you will. Uh, Greenville Elizabethan was one of those, uh, and it really it became one of those matchups uh, that was worth the price of admission uh, in a 24 to 20 Elizabethan victory greenville basically came back from the dead early in the season to really make a run at it and just came up just short against the defending 4a state champs as elizabethan moves on with a 24 to 20 victory over greenville uh, alcoa uh, in really what was not normal in, in the sense that uh, you know it was a it was a game that at halftime you saw you, you saw alcoa leading Gatlinburg Pittman, uh, fourteen to thirteen. But you were like, "What is going on?" But uh, of course, in the second half, Coach Gary Rankins and company get the ship righted, and Alcoa cruises to a forty-nine to thirteen victory over Gatlinburg Pittman. But as we we talk to Prep Sports, I think Mister Crouch may be on the phone line. Let's jump to the phone line. Hey, Carson. Yep. What's up, man? How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, all vehicle situations in in uh, in hand. Yep, yeah, uh, riding back now, and uh, glad I could be able to get to call in today. Good deal, good deal. Well, we're talking talking a lot of things. Of course, in an hour, uh, being able to get all the things in is is going to be a, a kind of a chore. But I'll say this: uh, Mondays uh, they don't normally leave a whole lot of uh, they don't leave room for for maybe. Uh, time-filling kind of things. As uh, Titans get a big win this weekend, Derrick Henry is a is a full-blown man. Uh, you, you talk about Tennessee, the the question marks continue to come out of the 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 volunteer football side of things. Basketball was an uptick. We were like, can't wait to see basketball, and they got the Rona uh, up to yeah. and including Coach Rick Barnes. So uh, kind of caught you up to speed there. We've just been going through. Friday night scores, uh, you know, again, Carson, when you were watching Friday night, uh, w- was there any particular game other than the Maryville game uh, that you really had your eyes on? Well, I think uh, mainly mine would have been uh, Alcoa and Gatlinburg-Pittman. I think Gatlinburg-Pittman, uh, they were only down, I think it was 13-14 to 14 at one point, and it was very surprising because uh, me, and, me and you talk about how all the time, and a lot of people know how, Alcoa is just doesn't have any competition uh, there in the playoff picture. And when I saw it, I was like, hey, maybe, they, uh, maybe they're getting a little scared. But Alcoa ended up handling business. But that one caught my eye for sure. Absolutely. And, and it was a halftime score, Carson. It was 14-13 mm-hmm. and a half. And I kept refreshing Coach T because I'm like, this can't be right. This, this is not what you're used to seeing here. And, and again, Second half action. They had start. They were starting a new quarterback. Uh, that quarterback that came from, uh, I think Knox Catholic had finally gotten cleared. So uh, I think there was a little bit of a, a little bit of newness on the Alcoa side of things, if there are, if there is such. 
and uh, and they just had to get it right. But forty nine to thirteen, they roll in the second half. But uh, South Doyle. Uh, knocks off the defending state champion Knox Central Bobcats. I thought that was a a pretty big upset. One that I will uh, I will boastfully say I picked here on uh, on pick day Thursday and Friday. But uh, Clark Duncan and the boys, uh, those guys south of the river, when they get right, uh, they're hard to handle. And Southwell knocked off Knox Central. Yeah, I think that's a big win too, especially when you're in playoff time and you knock off a defending state champ. It's a uh, pretty big victory. Uh, especially when a lot of people are uh, watching that game, seeing if they can go two-time uh, state champions um, right back-to-back. But I think that's a big win for South Doyle. I'm excited to see uh, where they can go this year. Yeah, and, and again, wish the best for, for those guys. They work really hard, They're just in, and they're in a tough spot uh, in that division in 5A that they play in. Uh, the, the, the next game, and really uh, a couple – there's not a ton left on, on the uh, non – uh, side of things. Oak Ridge knocked off Knox West. Knox West came into that matchup 12-1, and uh, the lone loss uh, coming in, in really uh, kind of a questionable fashion. But Oak Ridge, winners of their last eight, have gotten mm-hmm. hot at the right time. And uh, you, yeah. t- you talk about a bunch that uh, they know how to do it because they've been doing it for a long time. Oak Ridge moves to 10-3 and three and, uh, again, heads to the semifinals in Class 5A. Yeah, like you said, starting off, uh, or I mean, g- getting hot late in the season is perfect because you get your team together, start rolling through, and honestly, you'll end up most likely winning the uh, state championship if you're like that. But yeah, I think that's a really good win because we had talked about West a couple times this year and how good they looked. And uh, with only having one loss, that's a pretty big team to beat. But Oak Ridge, a uh, great win for them. I think they're excited to see if they can win the state championship this year. See, Oak Ridge had seen Knox West one time previous, and they had lost 22-7 to to the Rebels of Knox West. But, you know, right. I think sometimes the second time around, it's just a different dynamic. And, and like I said, uh, they were kind of clicking a little better here in the, in the quarterfinals. And 31-28 to wasn't necessarily the cleanest or prettiest, or maybe they didn't hold the lead a long, long time. But uh, it only matters one time when the when the clock hits zero. But uh, I thought uh, Oak Ridge did a, did a, did their self justice as they stepped up, played Dobbins minute, played Farragut, uh, played up a class there through the regular season. I think that always gears your team uh, to be a little bit more postseason ready. And they will uh, they will see South Doyle. It will be a, a little East Tennessee matchup as uh, South Doyle will be the next opponent for the Oak Ridge Wildcats. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens there. Both teams uh, with South Doyle and Oak Ridge, not the favorites in those games. So uh, that's going to be a good game to watch. Um, So I'm excited to see what they can do. But like you said, I think playing a harder competition and getting some games in where you can see what kind of level you're facing and then going into the playoffs, and playing some teams like Knox West, I think it, like you said, prepares you. Yeah, just adversity. Even in you know, sometimes you like you would like to win, or you would like to win and learn through a victory. But sometimes you know, an early season loss, especially if it's out of conference, it doesn't impact your your postseason standings or where you're going to go. Uh, but uh, the next one we're going to talk about is Loudon and Red Bank. Red Bank gets the victory over Loudon in the quarterfinals, twenty-four to fourteen. Again, knocks off the Redskins. I picked Loudon to win, so uh, again, not necessarily where I saw this thing going. But you look at Red Bank, and they're a they're a team that uh, that I, I don't want to say is 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 equipped 
uh, to handle Alcoa because that's their next opponent. But it is a team that if you look at their schedule, uh, again, they've been plagued by COVID. Three of their losses, uh, again, have come by way of uh, of COVID losses. You know how many losses they have on the season, Carson? Right. How many? Three. Yep. So that's that. And if they're all COVID, that could show that they could very well be undefeated, which might give a little bit of competition to Alcoa, which usually doesn't have. So uh, if Alcoa plays the way like they did versus Gallenberg Pittman in the first half, and I know, like you said, it was you know the new quarterback change, probably just getting used to the team itself and them getting used to him. But I think it could give them a little bit of uh, competition. Maybe it'd be a good game to watch. You know, I'll say this, and again, Red Bank had had already played Loudon once this season, beat them thirteen to nothing. So really, I was I was I was playing that Oak Ridge curve, if you if you know what I'm saying. So uh, yep. it didn't happen in this one. But if you take away the East Hamilton game, which again I don't have a ton of information on them, it was a twenty seven twenty four win for Red Bank. This Red Bank team has only allowed the most they had allowed other than East Hamilton was 14 points to Loudon this past Friday night, and they're scoring in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So uh, is it a team that's going to push Alcoa to the brink? I don't know. I mean, if my mind tells me what I think I need to know, I'm going to say no. But I will say, you know, if you take away the three COVID losses, those very much could be wins, and uh, and this could be a team uh, ready to rock against the Tornadoes. So uh, I think a 10-3 and Red Bank is a – is an undersold Red Bank team, and I think it's going to be a pretty good semifinal matchup uh, for the Tornadoes. And, and and like I said, no spoiler here. This upcoming you know week when we do our pick segment, I'm going to pick the Tornadoes. But I think I yeah. think uh, I think Red Bank could uh, could give them things to look at, especially knowing that you're uh, you've got your second start uh, for a quarterback that just got eligible just a couple days ago. Yeah, and uh, I agree. I think uh, with – yeah, obviously people are going to choose Alcoa, and Alcoa should win this game. And uh, But, I mean, it just it gives you a little bit more competition. And like I said, I think it, it could give uh, Alcoa a little bit more, you know, push. Maybe uh, they're going to have to, you know, play a lot harder this game, knowing that the three losses came from COVID, knowing that this team could be top in the state, you know, if with a, a perfect record. But – it's just something you have to look at, and obviously I do think Alcoa is going to win, but I think it's going to be a better game than what they usually get here in the playoffs. I think I think exactly right. Uh, the next one, Oakland defeated Riverdale 39-14 to to set up a showdown of, of Oakland versus Maryville uh, there in the semifinals. But how did that matchup happen? Maryville defeated Dobbins-Bennett 35-28. to Carson, if uh, if I would tell you that I, I aged a little bit Friday night, I would uh, I, I would be lying to you because listen, it that was not a, it was not a game that I felt like Maryville was going to lose. I felt confident the entire time, but I'll say Dobbins Bennett made pushed me a little bit to the brink and uh, and tested my belief system. But it held true, held true. Thirty five twenty eight was the final, uh, and, and and honestly, what what did you take away from the matchup? I totally agree with you. I think I knew we were going to win the whole game, but at the same time, we were competing with these. And if you look at it, the last game we really, really competed in, and it went down to the wire, was Alcoa. I know Bradley Central was up on us at halftime, but 
I think this game proves a little bit different. Dobbins Bennett with a uh, pretty much the COVID kind of situation with them and McMinn. McMinn was the team that we had circled thinking they were going to win, but Dobbins Bennett came out with the COVID situation. But I think it really came down to how, how Maribel ended out the game. And I think Maribel was constantly moving the football, constantly scoring, I think was a big deal. But you got to give Dobbins Bennett credit. They played outstanding. And I think their, their uh, offensive line played great, and that offense really moved. Friday night. Well, and I think you look at it, uh, as many times as Maryville was going to touch the football, I think they only punted one time, and it was that little pooch punt by Carson Jones, but uh, Maryville was able to score on Dobbins Bennett, and that, that's been the, the calling card for Maryville. They've been able to score on basically anybody, so that that did not change Friday night. Now, was there some exposed moments on defense uh, to where they kind of dink and dunked uh, the defense away a little bit and then had an option uh, late in the game to try to run this thing out. Uh, honestly, I think it's it's really good adversity uh, for this Maryville football team. I think it exposed some things, and yet yeah, put some things on film that 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 maybe uh, you, you know you, you would think otherwise of. But I say you know intro mile winning's winning. Dobbins Bennett was in the quarterfinals for a reason too. Uh, exiting that thing uh, with a victory, setting up what is the uh, basically. Uh, the the Eastern Division Championship, if you will, because this has been a matchup that over the course of this century uh, has really dictated who the 6A champion is. So, uh, again, uh, great win by Maryville. Again, it, you don't always have to have pretty wins. Uh, it's, it's That's not a, a requirement. Uh, but Maryville gets the win nonetheless, 35-28 on key uh, changes in the game pinning Dobbins Bennett at the one-yard line, making them go 99, and then just making them work for everything they got. I thought the Rebels grinded one out, if 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 I can use a pun there. Uh, they got it done. They sure did, and it's exciting to see that. I mean, it was a great football game. and uh, I wish I could have been there. Sadly, I uh, got a uh, contact trace from school, so I couldn't go to this game. But luckily, I'll be able to go to the state this year, which is a big deal, especially me being a senior. But Watching on TV, I was still so interested in uh, listening to you guys on the radio, and it was a uh, game I was a nail-biter for sure. But I think with pinning them at the one-yard line, an amazing call there to just set it up uh, where we had our defense ready to play. And I think I think you got to give credit to the defense, Maryville's defense there at the end for uh, holding them. Hey, what about McMinn County, like, making the trip and just walking the stadium? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the McMinn uh, students were there. Just uh, I guess they thought it was uh, pretty funny. I mean, it is a long drive. I mean, I went to the McMinn game, and just to come there, they did not want Dobbins Bennett to win. Well, I, I just think it was a little bit of uh, we see what you're doing. That sh- you know, and, huh. and in their mind, I mean, when you don't play a game, it's hard to know who was going to win, right? I think right. they were going to have their hands full with Jalen Hunt. I, I would say that. Uh, so. I would. Uh, I think they just wanted Dobbins Bennett to understand that that could have very well have been McMinn County on that field, and the fact that they didn't uh, they didn't get the opportunity to prove it on the football field uh, kind of left a sour taste in their mouth. So uh, I thought it was an interesting dynamic, and I say that with a with a grain of salt because in the press box I'm like. I'm wanting to call a football game, not a fight, and and I was afraid that uh, we was about to hear the bell ding. Honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, I looked, I looked, and before before all the COVID stuff, I had McMinn in that Dobbins minigame. I, I thought McMinn was going to win that game, 
But after watching Dobbins Bennett play Maryville, I really like – I mean, I, I really think this Dobbins Bennett team is very talented. That quarterback for Dobbins Bennett, I mean, played outstanding. I think he's a great – I mean, an absolutely great quarterback. The offensive line was protecting him. And um, I think he was he was really playing smart. And I think it's what helped Dobbins Bennett. And I think that he, it would have been down to the wire, I will say. I think McMahon and Dobbins Bennett, that game could have went into overtime for sure. But I think it could have went both ways. But, yeah, I was I, I could have seen a fight go down, but I'm glad one didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I said it on the air in, in the broadcast, and I'll say it again here. You, you know, Dobbins Bennett's probably better clock management away from being maybe the second-best 6A team in East Tennessee. I mean, and that's just right. – there's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of a lot of great teams that's lined up number two to Maryville. I mean, that's just – it just is what it is. There's no – that's not a, a boastful statement. I mean, you look at the, the playoff record. Maryville's won over 130 playoff games, let alone uh, played in well more than that. So, uh, the proof's in history. Uh, it's not in, in some fandom, uh, you know, illusion. But if you look at it, uh, I thought Dobbins Bennett, you know, they, they had great play selection – uh, when they needed a, a, a momentum shift, when they needed a first down, they were able to get it for most part. And they had two running backs and a smart quarterback. And, and in a lot of ways in high school football, that's kind of what you need. Uh, some playmakers and a really smart quarterback. And, and you know, uh, I thought yep. Dobbins Bennett showed up healthy and were able to do that. But like I said, their clock management was questionable at best. Uh, and, again, as professional as, as Jude and I try to be, sometimes – questionable things just get questioned and and that was one of those things uh there friday night as uh i, I just was like did they know have they looked because they were going away from the scoreboard they were going towards the high school and i was like have they looked back do they see that they're down two scores because they yeah. were they were just moseying yeah that's what i was wondering too and i was watching uh i wasn't complaining the, uh, i was just noticing yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of – I mean, when you're on the radio and you see something stupid, I mean, yeah, you're like, wow, what are they doing? And I kind of turned on the NFHS uh, network, and I was listening to what Coach West and uh, uh, Pinkerton had to say, and uh, they uh, they were questioning it too. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a odd kind of situation with the time management on that side. But you know what? Uh, it's 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 one of those things. Uh, you get to play. You get to play forty eight. We get to play forty eight. And how you choose to do so is up to you. Yep. So again, congratulations to the Maryville Red Rebels as they move on to the semifinals for the uh, I want to say the twenty first consecutive year. Uh, they have been. They have had uh, Thanksgiving breakfast and played on Black Friday uh, for the better part. Well, I guess the entire part of uh, Carson's life and then the better part of mine. So, uh, again, looking at history this week, uh, Carson, uh, every state championship game since uh, since 1999 has included one of these two teams. Is that is that not yeah. a shocking uh, statistic right there? Yeah, and what stood out to me, too, was, it like you said, it was 21 or 22 straight years that Oakland and Maryville played in the semifinals. That is mind-boggling. Well, that's, that's and, just Maryville. Uh, that's just Maryville being there. But uh, it's seven straight uh, for them playing or, in the semis. That's right. Yeah. Yes, Maryville and Oakland, but Maryville's been there 20. That's what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? Oakland's got a program uh, that's well-deserving. They're 12-0 and coming into this matchup. They may actually be 13-0. and uh, But – uh, they are a team that uh, you know they've seen their their side of the state. They've uh, they've played who's on their schedule, and they've yep. ultimately 
stayed blemish free. They're thirteen and zero, and they'll see the the defending state champion Maryville Red Rebels uh, at their place uh, here this upcoming Friday night. Now the tale of the tape, and we'll talk about it as the week progresses. The home team has won this matchup, I believe, each of the last six times. And, uh, you know, here's the deal. Either the trend continues or the trend breaks. And I think at this point, either is just as likely. Yeah, I could see it going either way. Oakland, an outstanding football team, going to be the best football team we see all year. And Maryville, I mean, having an undefeated season after losing 17 starters and just I mean, beating Alcoa, beating uh, Dolphins Bennett, beating McMinn. I mean, outstanding season for both of these schools. And it's going to be a, a top-tier matchup for sure. Yeah, I think absolutely. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, it's when these two match up, they, they could come in 10-2, and 12-0, and 13-0, yeah. or, or 1-12, and 12, which they wouldn't see each other at that rate. But uh, it, it doesn't matter. These two teams know each other very well. Uh, again, I've been kind of conversating back and forth with their their radio crew, and uh, they say it's, you know 2020's changed a lot of things, but one thing it hasn't changed is Black Friday equals Maryville versus Oakland, and that's uh, that's kind of a new thing. So uh, again, uh, it's going to be a battle. I think uh, when you look at it, Carson Jones, you know, I, I think he's got ice water in his veins. The moment doesn't get too big for him, but uh, Parker McGill. Uh, Carson Jones, uh, you, you know, the list goes on and on. DJ Burks, those guys have to answer the bell. They've got to go to Murfreesboro and see if they can uh, if they can turn back the Patriots. And I think, uh, you know, it's it's going to be – I think it's funny, like a play on words. It's the Patriots versus the Rebels. But, you know, uh, some things uh, just fit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be an exciting matchup, especially uh, Black Friday, but – yeah, I, I really don't know what it's gonna what the outcome's gonna be right now, but I think with Carson Jones, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's got ice in his veins. He's played Alco, he's played McMahon, he's gone undefeated all season. Well and, and the thing I is is sure he, think that he'll continue that. Yeah, he was Rebel Radio player of the game in, in arguably arguably two of the most uh most uh defining games of the season for the Red Rebels to date. Uh, of course, each week b- gets that new opportunity to be the next cornerstone defining moment. But when you look at it, how do you define it in 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 Blunt County and in Maryville? It's the Maryville Alcoa game. And if you if you want to define it as a season, it comes down to where you finish in the playoffs. And at this point, uh, Carson's not done yet. So yeah, I think uh, stepping in after a a great career by Cade Chambers and a leadership unlike any other last year, uh, taking them to a 15 and 0 record state championship. Uh, I, I think Carson's done an admirable job. Uh, he's got a lot of good supporting cast as he has an offensive line that's kept it clean for the most part. He's got Parker McGill. He's got Noah Vaughn. He's got a, a host of other running backs that that get in there. And then he's got a nice stable of wide receivers um, that that do a lot of work for him. I think uh, I think Nick Daigle, just the work that he does uh, running those DBs all over the field is uh, is something to be marveled over. But uh, mm-hmm. you, you know what? Uh, I'm excited. It's going to be three days of discussion about this Maryville Oakland game. Of course, as we won't have a show on Thanksgiving Day, and then we'll be headed to Murfreesboro on Friday to to do the thing. But uh, you know, Carson, it's it's uh it's the week of. I mean, it's Maryville, it's Oakland, and it's uh it's an opportunity to go to Cookville. Uh, I mean, it's just we're to that we're to that point of the season. 
Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a uh, fun fun matchup and I uh, can't wait for Friday. Absolutely. But hey, hey Carson, stick with us here. We're going to take a break, listen to these fine sponsors. Uh dig out the soapbox, uh get the steps, make sure you're not going to fall and let's get up on it and talk about these vols because uh you know what? I I I want more answers each and every week and I keep coming out of here with more questions. I just can't figure it out. Let's let's talk about it on the flip. You're listening to The Grind, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss it. Your hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. Rocky Top Sports. A message from State Representative Bob Ramsey. Thank you, Blunt County, for your votes that are allowing me to serve as your state representative to the Tennessee General Assembly. I'm looking forward to hearing from you as we continue to advocate legislation making Blunt County a better place for our families. Hi, I'm Bob Ramsey. I thank you and appreciate your support as we continue to move Blunt County forward. Paid for by the committee to elect Bob Ramsey State Representative, Bob Ramsey Treasurer. I'm Bob Ramsey and I approve this message. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maribel. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Are you looking to buy or sell a home in East Tennessee and want a realtor with the experience and integrity you deserve? Then call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates. The market is hot and interest rates are still the lowest they have ever been. Take advantage now by calling Tressa Lequire, 865-221-5610. That's 865-221-5610. With 10 years of experience in our local area, Tressa Lequire appreciates all Blount County manufacturing employees and will work to get you the best deal and experience possible. Call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates, 865-221-5610. And let Tressa take your real estate dreams from the kitchen table to the closing table. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Have you heard about or seen the Grind's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grind from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind. 
on 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and on the phone line, Carson Crouch, as we grind it out here on a Monday edition. Again, Carson, as the intro would suggest, maybe not perfect, but definitely an honest opinion. And uh, just full disclosure, did you turn the game off at all Saturday? Um, I uh, didn't actually until – because Harrison Bailey came in, of course, and I wanted to watch that. And what's funny about that is uh, as soon as he comes in, he uh, drives the ball down the field, scores the touchdown. I mean, who would have thought? But, uh, yeah, so I watched that, but I mostly had my head down the whole time when Jarrett was on the field. Um, like, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It was it was uh, definitely something you just shook your head to and honestly just was tired of watching you. Well, and, and boggles the mind. And, again, I – I would be lying if I told you because again, it's on it's on recording now. Uh, I picked Auburn to win. I, I picked Auburn to win, and it was kind of reverse psychology. I was like, well, if I pick them to win, then they'll lose because that's just that's just my luck. So mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I got this thing in the bag. Tennessee's going to win because I didn't pick them, and and honestly, true to form, Tennessee jumps out to a ten nothing lead, and I'm like, all right. I was like, I've I got it figured out, you know. And then here comes Auburn, ten to ten at the half, uh, and then typical third. Yeah, typical third quarter. Uh, no score for Tennessee, ten for Auburn, and away we go to a thirty to seventeen defeat. Uh, Bo Nix, I don't want to say he had a great game, but it was good enough. Uh, Eric Gray. Um, basically wasted a 22-carry, 173-yard, and a touchdown performance as uh, Auburn. Uh, if you talk about it, a busted play to to set up the the one touchdown. You talk about the, uh, the pick six for another touchdown. I mean, honestly gifted them 14 points in this matchup. And if you look at the score, uh, that's the difference in the game. Yeah, yeah. Um... And, I mean, it, it just goes back to who's playing at quarterback. We drove all the way downfield um, uh, on the one drive where he threw the 99-yard pick six, which is normal for him. Um, we drive down the field, rushing the ball good. Eric Gray, like you said, has a great outing. I mean, 100-something yards rushing, 22 carries and a touchdown. And we don't give it to him down there in the red zone. And I'm fine with switching it up and passing here and then. But when you have ran it the whole time, and then you decide to pass with Jarrett, and he throws a 99-yard pick six, that's just, that's just what you're going to get. And well, I think and, that and sums what, up the whole game. Well, what I didn't like was that they talked to the defender after the game. It was Smoke Monday, which is that not like the – I mean, <laughs> that's like the coolest name right there, it Smoke Monday. Uh, one of the faster guys in the Southeastern Conference. So, yeah, that's who you need picking it off. He said he'd been watching film, and Jared likes to stare down receivers. I'm just like, if they're telling them that during the week, then then I mean, it's it's not a oh he does it every now and again. 
It's it's oh. serious. And if you watch it, because again, I'm sick, so ESPN does their thing on on Sunday afternoons where they'll re-air a game, or I'll go on the ESPN app and watch it again. I watch the game again, and it it that that ball would have gotten picked off by most most if not every team in the Southeastern Conference, maybe in America. Because yeah, I, I mean, could have picked it off, honestly. As soon as he snapped the ball, he never left that receiver. He stayed and on he him doesn't. the whole time. He doesn't, and it's embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing to have him at quarterback. I'm sorry. Like I, I can't. I think I told him. you. I think I, I text you. Maybe like it. It would just bother me yeah. if I was the backup, and it was perceived mm-hmm. that that guy's better than yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could probably go ahead and tell you. I I would I could see Carson Jones coming out there and playing better than he does. I mean, I'm being honest. I tell you to be he, smarter. I can give you that. I mean, I have no idea what runs through that kid's mind, and I have no idea what runs through our coach's mind well, to put him in the game each and every game. And ever since the Missouri game, he ain't won a game. Have you Have you ever heard the the saying? And I know you have. Uh, you know, fool me once, shame on on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like yeah. to me, now I'm I'm not even mad at Jared anymore. And not that I was like mad at some you know 22, 23 year old kid. But here's the deal: I'm sitting here going, you're in a bad position. You 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 don't have the tools per se to get it done. You you have plenty of weapons around you, but as far as decision making ability, timely. You, you know, right. accuracy and different things. You, it's just not – the tool belt doesn't have those pockets, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, it, we have had five years, and we have explo- exposed that. But at some rate, that's why we pay different coaches different amounts of money to make those decisions on who the best to put in there is. And, again, Jeremy Pruitt continues to double down that he's the best option we have. So, either A – all the other quarterbacks, and I won't list their name just because I'm not literally trashing them, but either they're garbage, like they literally were well overhyped as a recruit, or we're not judging talent well, or everything's getting decided on the practice field. Well, I'm just telling you, I could probably, if if I had any of the, the velocity and different things that a college quarterback would have, I'm pretty sure I could look good in practice because I know nobody's going to hit me. Yep. And so, um, anyway, so the, yeah. the the dynamic I'm throwing out there is is at some rate, and, and again, we're going to see who rolls out there this Saturday. Like, there's, again, the way Harrison Bailey came in and played, the, the poise that he showed, the presence, and even Jeremy Pruitt today used that term presence. Uh, if he's not the starter this Saturday, then Jeremy Pruitt is okay to lose this Saturday. Because if you watch the way – uh, Vanderbilt played. This this isn't a team that's interested in 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 staying over. They're going to put it all out there. And honestly, their season's dealt. So all they have to do, the only thing that would make their season better, is beating Tennessee. And, and they've done it before when they were four and eight. And they beat us and put us out of the uh, bowl championship or bowl game. The, yeah, the Sugar Bowl there. Ago. Yeah. Um, but I uh, I got a couple things. I, I mean, I think. I agree. I'm not as mad as I'm not mad at Jarrett. It's just upsetting when he's on the field. And I'm sorry. Yeah, he's bad at football. That's not that. I mean, he's just bad at football. But the person that's putting him in is the reason we're losing. 
And I go back to it. And if he's in the game, we're going to lose. I feel and I like don't, I, I don't see any any like any sort of why he's in there. And I don't even want to get mad at Jared. I really don't. Well, I'll but tell you this: I, like when when I like Jared Garantano. Here's the here's the epitome. Like if you need a visual of Jared Garantano in, in the game of football, like he's like me playing Madden on easy during practice. And then stepping it up to like all pro on all Saturdays, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think anybody, and, and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm too harsh, but I think at this rate, it is what it is. You, you know what I'm saying? I didn't have I I just brought the lighter, y'all. Like y'all being Tennessee and and the coaching staff, they've the one that's laid the wood down and poured the gasoline on it. I'm just lighting it up. So at, at this rate. You know, Jared's probably, like I said, at practice, he may be Peyton Manning. But in, in uh, you, you know, in, in when the lights come on Saturday, I mean, he's probably not, uh, he's probably not yeah. Gus Manning. Yeah, well, I don't think you're being too harsh at all. I mean, we've lost six games in a row. I've only scored 14 points in the second half out of those six games. And I think that's pretty sad. So I, I, I agree with you 100%, but I, I don't, like you said, if if Jared comes out and starts versus Vanderbilt, you can go ahead and get a moving van ready for Jer- or Jeremy Pruitt because he's going to be on out of here. And honestly, the way he's been, the way he's been putting him in and saying he's the best chance to win, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, I hope, I hope, I really hope we have seven QBs on the sideline and Jared's the best one we got. I pray for this football team. <laughs> Oh, I, if you don't care, just drop a line in there for me, because Lord, I, I, I'm sick. I can't. I can't not watch them. Like you know, uh, I've had a few. I've had a few family members that's like, you know what? Just turn it off. I'm like, I just can't do that. I just, yeah. it's just not in me. So, here's the deal: Vandy has Georgia and Missouri and Tennessee this Saturday. I, I think they're they're by far going to get beat by Georgia. Missouri's playing a newer, you know, a better brand of football than they they saw early in the season. I think this is their chance to win. This is yeah. Tennessee's chance to to unload. Like, here's the deal. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about okay, what's the trajectory look like coming out of the bye week? Because you know, I was like, well, he just has to win Vandy. Like losing to Vandy is like the death sentence, right? And and right. again, we don't know. He he he's on life support at the moment. But if he starts JG, is that enough just – whether he wins or not, is that enough to, to just say, you know what, you're not interested in winning. You're not interested in, in, in being good at football. So let's just, yeah. let's just cut bait. You go be a defensive coordinator somewhere and be happy, and, and we'll move on with our business. Well, I was, I was talking to a couple of people about that same question, and I look at it, and yeah, if, if he starts Jarrett, I, I look at Philip Omer's eyes, and if we win that game, no. But I think we have to look at the two other games we still have left with Florida and Texas A&M. I think if Jarrett wins on Vandy and we put him in in Florida game and then get all absolutely murdered, which we will if Jarrett's in a quarterback, and I, I think I think yeah, you could maybe go ahead and call him done. If we lose to Vandy, I, in my opinion, think he's a hundred percent done, and he should be done. Do you if think it he wasn't finishes the season? He would be done. Do you think he finishes the season uh, if he uh, if he loses to Vandy? 
No, no. I think I think they fire him on the spot because I think there'll be people rioting outside of Neyland Stadium because it has been six games in a row. But the the fact of it is, he's kept Jarrett in in these games, and we've only scored fourteen in the second half. And Harrison Bailey ties for seven. You know, just coming into the game, scores right off the bat, and I just don't understand. He was supposed to be the next thing. And we just haven't given him any opportunities. But off the quarterback thing, I think if we lose to Vandy, I think he is done on the spot. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, you know I think he gets Lane Kiffin. You remember what happened to him at USC? They left him on the tarmac. Yes. They said, you know, you you we're going back to the school, but you ain't. And, and and here's the thing: I don't want that to happen. I want Jeremy Pruitt to prove me wrong. The problem is, I do too. I I just ain't seeing it. I ain't seen it. Now, here's you a scenario that to, to kind of mull over. So, And, again, a fractured relationship is just that. It's hard to ever get it back together again, right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. full-blown Humpty Dumpty mode. But here's the deal. Jeremy Pruitt lose, or wins at Vandy by less than 10 points and gets blown out double-digit losses to, to A&M and Florida. Is it still done, or does he, does he get help? Um, so you're saying he, so you're saying he beats Vandy and loses those two games? Yeah, but he only beats Vandy by less than 10 points, like a seven, 10 point win. Oh, no way. No way he keeps his job. So you're saying if he gets blown out by those two and then barely beats Vandy, he's still done. Um, I I would say that it's a highly chance because I think he's already dug his own grave by keeping keeping Jared in for six games. I really do. And I think six games losing in a row, especially to Arkansas team, uh, Georgia team, we were up at halftime, which now knowing that Stetson Bennett wasn't the guy and it was a team that we could have beaten, um, I, I really I really do not. In Kentucky, I mean, pick six, pick six, and then another one here at Auburn. I just, I just want to know what you think. Like, what do you think goes through his mind of keeping him in the game? Here's here's what I think he knows, and, and again, you know, I'm a I'm a <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think people that listen to this show probably think I'm somewhat bipolar, but uh, but here's the dynamic. I think he he one he's never had a team this bad. Just just point blank honest with you. I mean, Hoover yeah. High School probably had a better football team than he's got on the field right now. But I think he's not been around much losing. So he doesn't really know how to respond, how to act. But I think ultimately he's he's nervous about youth at a position that he's not comfortable with. Like he'll roll a freshman out there at defensive back because he feels like he can he can coach him up, get him ready. But for some reason, I don't know if it's Winky, I don't know if it's uh, if it's Jim Chaney, or if it's just his his insecurity at the quarterback position. He doesn't want a, a youthful quarterback at the quarterback position. And so at this rate, he just looks at Jared and he says, you know what? Yeah, I know he's thrown some pick sixes, but he knows better now. Like, he won't do that again. Or or, look at that. He knows more of the playbook. He knows more plays. So, therefore, we're not as one-dimensional. You know, so maybe that gives us a better chance to win. But, But then I think, well, maybe he's like, well, Eric, you know, Eric Gray and that offensive line, you know, are very bought into JG, so we're going to keep the continuity. I don't know how. But but well, I will say a year ago when he made the shift, you know, 
Uh, my understanding is, is Jawan Jennings, Marquez Callaway, and some of that offensive line wanted JG back. That's kind of what pulled him back in. So, I, again, I don't know what the culture's like. I don't know what, what's there. He continues to, to fall on the sword. He says, you know, I've got to coach better, which is, is a true statement. Thanks, Jeremy, for, for clarifying the obvious. But I think ultimately – Proof's in the pudding. I mean, you've got a you've got an offensive line and a running back that when they're right, obviously they can they can do some damage. I thought dominance up front was was a thing. I thought we were able to open some holes and and honestly, Eric Gray acted like he knew what he was doing. You know, a lot of times Tennessee running backs, if they have a an open hole, they'll just run into the back of the offensive line and fall down. I mean, that's just been the MO in, in recent years. But Eric Gray looked like he knew what he was doing. I thought we had good good routes and, and good, you know, kind of stretch plays drawn up. The problem was is is, you know, when when it really counted, a lot of times it just wasn't there. Like the 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 accuracy wasn't there from Jared. Uh I, I don't know what Jeremy needs from from anybody, if he needs some level of approval, but when you're getting beat by double digits, if you can't look and say, well, you know he made youthful decisions, and we've got to we've got to coach him up. It's hard to say that when the guy that's making those youthful decisions is a fifth year senior. Yeah, that's what I think too. I mean, I would understand if somebody's having this bad of a year coming in being a freshman or sophomore, but he's had five years to play ball, and he's had three years to start, and he's still playing like he did when he showed up to Tennessee in the first place. And I don't, I don't, I don't see any any source of like making any sort of sense like I try to understand I try to see what the coaches see I try to see why he's in the game and at this point I'm lost I really don't know I nobody's wanted him in at quarterback for three years now because he can't do anything so I look at the wide receiver play Palmer Johnson we have we have guys on the receivers that have been playing great this year and they can't do anything and then you have Gray, Ty Chandler, the offensive line moves for the running game. Our offense would be stellar if we could have a quarterback that could play. And I'm not making excuses for the you know offense, but I'm just saying it would be a lot, a lot better. Boggles the mind. But you know what? Let's take us our last break, and let's come when we come back, let's talk, what do we do if we make a change? Who's the casualties? We'll talk on the flip. You're listening to The Grind. Are you looking to buy or sell a home in East Tennessee and want a realtor with the experience and integrity you deserve? Then call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates. The market is hot and interest rates are still the lowest they have ever been. Take advantage now by calling Tressa Lequire, 865-221-5610. That's 865-221-5610. With 10 years of experience in our local area, Tressa Lequire appreciates all Blount County manufacturing employees and will work to get you the best deal and experience possible. Call Tressa Lequire with Realty Executive Associates, 865-221-5610. And let Tressa take your real estate dreams from the kitchen table to the closing table. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. 
So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. Got golf? IguaniFarmsGolf.com, 970-7132. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. Got something you're grinding on? Give us a call at 865-983-4310. Now back to the grind with host Wayne Kaiser. 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside Carson Crouch on the phone line as we uh, we try to make sense of something that has no sense and that, that may very well be Tennessee football. Carson, uh, again, welcome back in. Had to take a break, get, yep. get those fine sponsors in. But uh, but the, the, the dynamic we've been mulling around and beating up for the better part of the last 20 minutes is is if, when, how this goes down the, the last three games of the season is, is really sealing or writing the story of Jeremy Pruitt's fate here at Tennessee. And, and ultimately – Here's the here's the the you you know the nuts and bolts of this situation. If he is let loose this season, Tennessee owes yeah. him more than ten million dollars. And, and and I'll be honest with you, that's that's a lot of paper uh, when you're talking about a a, a a university that's I think had 180 pay cuts across the uh, across the university. They've they've asked a lot of different people to do different things. But here's the deal. You, you know, it's all about uh, – you, you ever heard uh, the dynamic stay together for the kids? Well, yeah. I'm a I'm – a, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having moments where I'm like, stay together for Jay and T, Jay Graham and T Martin. Like, I just – I feel like there's a very good nucleus of coaching at Tennessee. And, and Jay Graham, T Martin, uh, Jim Chaney – uh, you, you know, there's a lot of pieces that I would keep intact if I was, if I was, uh, you know, a, I guess an up and coming. Uh, but, uh, I, I'm just like, is that even possible? Is that something that, that anybody would be interested in? You know, you know, I just don't know. I mean, you look at before the season, we tried to give him an extension. I mean, we wanted him to stay in Tennessee forever after the bowl win versus Indiana. I mean, we wanted well, I mean, Jeremy. no, we we did give him an extension. That's that's well, the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, when, before the extension, we wanted. That's what I mean. We wanted to give him one, and then when we offered him, there he goes. We have another one, and like like you said, we'd have to pay him ten million dollars. We're still paying back Butch Jones, so we know how long that takes. So you, I don't know. I mean, it's 
it's something that you might want to be like, hey, maybe we should take one more year, see what he can do. But there's a lot of people like myself and like you that really are having trouble making sense of why he even needs to be coaching as a head coach right now if he's going to make these sloppy decisions. Well, I, and like I, I said, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, like I said, it, it I don't know. I, it would be different if Jared Garantano was even, and, and I'm just throwing these guys out there because I feel like they're in, in the same category. You, you know, if Bo Nix, um, what's the cat at, um, Kellen Mond, the kid at Texas A&M, you know, Kellen, yep. Kellen Mond had a time to where he was like, not the dude, right? Like he was, mm-hmm. he was very erratic. He didn't do what, what yeah. everything, but he kind of worked through it. There has never yep. been, other than Auburn, a couple years ago when he put it all together. There has never been a scenario to where there wasn't at least a handful of just bonehead decisions in a football game. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like you know, and, and again, I'm a proponent of giving time. But I'm a proponent of giving time to those who show me progress. And unfortunately, I'm not seeing any level of progress. No, I, I see progress. The since he got here. Well, I, I mean, I'm seeing progress at the running back room. That's one he doesn't coach. I'm seeing progress at the wide receiver position. He doesn't coach there. But I, I'm seeing some stagnation in the secondary when we just blow coverages and get burnt. Yeah. I mean, just toasted. And then I'm seeing, you know, he fired a defensive line coach. Now he's coaching defensive line, and we haven't had a turnover. When's the last time we turned somebody over? I I have no clue. I mean, but but what I, what I'm getting at is is either I think it all comes down, and and it's been a week by week progression. It comes down to how these last three games are played. If something turns, if we turn the corner, we blow Vandy out by twenty plus. You, you know, we go in there, we battle Florida, either either a close loss or even possibly upset them, and then we battle and maybe beat Texas A&M. The whole dynamic changes. Now, I'll yeah. still have questions regardless as to what what took us so long to get here, but I can – I can uh, you, you know, it's, it's one of those deals when you realize that's the last car leaving and you need to be nice to them so you can get a ride. I'll remember that, hey, buddy, I, you know, I was kind of, I was harsh on you there earlier, but you know, you kind of pulled it together. But if, 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 like I said, if we get beat this weekend and we get blown out the next two weeks, I just don't know how it could be. There's a lot better ways to spend four million dollars. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I have a couple scenarios. I think if we beat. Vandy pretty bad. I think if we do like we did versus Missouri or we beat, you know, beat them fairly 10, 14 points, I think we go on see what Florida game is. I think if we pull a close one out between Florida or Texas A&M and win one, I think it keeps his job. But I think we have to really beat Vandy because I really can't see him keeping his job with a loss to Florida and Texas A&M and a nail-biter with Vandy. It doesn't make any sense. And it also depends on who's at quarterback. I think a lot of Tennessee fans will be a lot of ease if uh, we try somebody else new because, really, we haven't subbed anybody else in until the last eight, seven minutes of the game. So it, it, I want to see what happens, but I think it could go either way. But you also have to look at next year. Hopefully, Jarrett doesn't come back with that extra year eligibility, but there's going to be, you know, Caden Salter, the number one QB in Texas, coming in, a four-star athlete, almost five 
five-star. See if he can start. I mean, we have some guys on the quarterback, but I look at it and you got Harrison Bailey, you got Brian Mowry, you got Kasim Hill, you got Jimmy Holiday. I mean, yeah. you have J.T. Shrout. I think I legitimately. I think legitimately, though, if uh, if if, and, and again, appreciate all the time you spent with us. But uh, if if JG even garners a scholarship next year, if he takes that away from eighty five players that can play, I think we need to we need to set up a uh, a cat scan. But you know what, Carson? Some things we just can't make sense of in an hour, yep. and that's one of them. But we'll try again tomorrow. But you're listening to the grind, hundred point nine FM, eight fifty AM, and streaming at WKVL.com. But if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on.